0: What's up, guys? It's Arov. And this is Arsh. And welcome to the Two Brothers and Their Sports podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day because we have an amazing show lined up for you guys. Kicking off the episode, talking about the MLB All-Star team and our thoughts. And at the end, make sure you stay tuned because we have an interview with Indian Wake Forest football player... Anuj Shah. It's a great interview. He talks about his whole experience growing up as an Indian and how he was con- able to convince his parents to play sports and how he was able to excel at Wake Forest playing football. Also, if you enjoyed this kind of content, make sure to hit the subscribe button down below. It's free and you can always change your mind. And while you're down there, feel free to leave us a like as well. This really helps us get our channel out to more viewers, so thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. So for the American League, the starters are uh, Salvador Perez, Vlad Jr., that's an obvious pick. He's at first base. Marcus Simeon, who's also from Toronto. Rafael Devers, who looked really good. Uh, Xander Bogarts, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, representing the Yankees, Otani, and Tescar Hernandez. And the pitcher is Otani as well. So that's going to be really good. Hopefully, Otani has a good game. And their, their batting is stacked. They have Vlad, they have Otani, Judge, Trout, Bogarts, and Devers. It's going to be really cool to see what's going to happen. And then uh, their reserves are Altuve, Bo Bichette, Zunino, Correa, Olsen, Matt Olsen, Jose Ramirez, Jared Walsh, Michael Branley, Joey Gallo, who looks. He looked really. He's been looking really good. He could have been a starter. And then um JD Martinez, Nelson Cruz. I think you get the point. And their starting pitchers are Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Iovaldi, Kyle Gibson, Kikuchi, who the Yankees ripped up a few nights ago, or actually a few weeks ago now. Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon. And and then their relievers are Aronis Chapman, who hasn't been playing very well for the Yankees, Matt Barnes, Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, and Gregory Soto. Then for the National League, it's Buster Posey, Freddie Freeman, who won the MVP last year, Nolan Arenado, Tatis, Acuna, Jesse Winker, um, Castellanos, Castellanos, and then the reserves, uh there I'll name the highlights Ramudo, Chris Bryant, Max Muncie, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto and their pitchers look pretty good. Trevor Bauer isn't on any of Trevor Bauer isn't on any of these lists and I think it's because of the sticky substance. Mike My- has the substance thing. "Yeah, we talked about this before. It's in the top right corner of the video right now if you guys are watching on YouTube." But yeah, keep going. I, I agree with that. Yeah, and the sticky substances might have impacted a couple of pitchers here. And then the relievers are Alex Rays, Mark Melancon, Craig Krimble, and Josh Hader. So these teams look pretty good. I'm really excited to see the batting, but also the pitching, because uh, the pitching for both teams, the American League and the National League, are going to be pretty cool to see. So I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. I mean, you talk about the uh, the substance abuse too. Uh, substance use too. Where Glass now didn't make it either. I mean, he he got he obviously he had he had an um, injury on his UCL, but he was a top ten pitcher in the MLB. He didn't make this list at all. He didn't make the All Star game. So uh, it, it's showing how much it really matters to pitchers. I mean, after that rule change on July first, I mean June first, Garrett Cole has not been the same. Shane Bieber has not been the same. All these great pitchers have not been the same as they were before. Aroldis Chapman has not been the same. He Aroldis Chapman, I think, had a game of 12 games where he hadn't given up a run or a hit or something like that. He's been terrible for the Yankees the past few weeks. So it shows how much it matters. Now, to highlight the teams, Archer already highlighted the teams. But I think, uh, just one thing that I think was, was surprising was Mike Trout was on a six-week six um, I.L., he made it as a starter. He he usually makes it anyway, but I don't think he should have made as a star As a starter, I think he should have made it as a reserve instead of Joey Gallo. I mean, and Joey Gallo should have started. Trout should have been a reserve. But I think if Trout is hurt, they're gonna they're gonna put him as a reserve, obviously, and then promote one of the outfielders, Michael Brantley, Gallo, or Garcia. Which I think, like you were saying, it should be Gallo. And then starting pitchers, you already talked about that a little bit. Um, it's just it's so surprising to see the impact that um that sticky substance has like Garrett Cole it's just mind blowing and uh, we're Yankees fans so like we watched this firsthand. Garrett Cole was such a dominant pitcher the day after they declared that rule like after it went into effect he played a game gave up six runs I think three home runs or two home runs. It's it shows how much it really matters. It's just incredible. And then the National League um obviously I, Buster Posey um, highlights the, the catcher. I think that Raul Mudo could have made a run to be the starter, just the starting catcher, or potentially Brandon Crawford should have, uh, could have started, but that's tough because you have Tatis playing there. Um, but obviously, you have the the top three picks to be MVP in the National League. Tatis, Acuna, and DeGrom all starting, and then same with the National I Army, mean, and the same with the American League Guerreros obviously starting too. So, it's Mookie Beth, we haven't heard that much of him either. He didn't make the starter. I think he should have made it instead of uh, Jesse Winker or Nick Castellanos. Castellanos. But this team overall, both teams obviously are super solid because it's the best players from the MLB. And obviously uh, the, the the all-star game is a is a real make-or-break te- um, p- point from lots of players where you measure their stats before and after and the team stats. So we can. it's a turning point for a lot of players, both positive and negative. So we'll see how much it really matters. And also, same thing with the uh, with the uh, home run derby. We saw that Aaron Judge was leading the league in home runs in his rookie season, fifty two. But that was in total. Then uh, he had the home run derby. It took him about, I think maybe twenty five games, something around there, to get reset to the MLB pitching because the home run derby pitching is super slow. So it it really matters. The All Star game really change, can change um, people's can change people's tempo on their batting can change because it's more of like a fun event. So it, it really, it's a fun event for the fans, for the players. Sometimes it can be a little rough, but we'll see how it goes. It's obviously super exciting and it's a real turning point for teams and players. And it's measured like that too. So the both teams are star studded. It'll be super fun to watch this um, this year, especially with the kind of home runs we've been seeing from Otani, from Vlad Guerrero, who happened to be on the same team. And then you have Tatis and Acuna and obviously DeGrom on the other side. Anut Shah is 5'7", 163 pounds from Columbus, Georgia and attended Columbus High School. He is currently a junior at Wake Forest where he plays defensive back or cornerback for their football team. Mr. Shah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you. So before we get into the meat of this interview, tell us how your family came to the United States and immigrated originally from India.
1: Uh, yeah, so my dad actually came in 1997 um, from India. He originally lived in Bombay. Um, so he came and then I was born in 2000. My brother was born in 1999. And that's kind of how we started our life here.
0: So how exactly did you get interested in football at a young age, especially as an Indian?
1: Uh, so that was actually pretty tough. I didn't actually find out about football until about eight, nine years old when my brother showed me. And it was just kind of one of those sports that let me express myself on the field, um, whatever issues or problems I had off the field that really helped me put into football and, you know, put my all into it. And that was when I really started loving it.
0: Yeah. So what was your main motivation? Because you said you, your, uh, your feelings off the field helped you on the field. So what kind of motivation did you have as a kid to play football?
1: Uh, definitely just love of the game. You know, I, I liked how at certain positions you had a lot of freedom to do your own thing um, and you could excel not only individually, but also as a team. So I think having into individual uh, component to it, but also applying that to a, a whole team game to, you know, have a good season and, uh, you know, make friends on the field and also, you know, make your brothers for life.
0: And how are you able to convince your parents to let you play, especially with all the risks?
1: Uh, you know, at first um, they weren't they weren't too happy with me playing football. They wanted me to focus more towards school, um, just because the culture is uh, more geared towards you know being successful in school and you know going to college, doing great in high school, uh, you know getting the best college as possible, really. And so it was tough to convince them to let me play, um, and even up until high school. You know, I was playing my freshman year and I only played my freshman year, but then I had to quit um, due, to, due to academics and some other stuff going on in my life. But, um, you know, after that, when I got to uh, my junior, senior year of high school, I wanted to play again, but I just kind of never got around to it. But when I was a freshman in college, um, you know, my senior year, I actually decided I want to play football again. So ever since I was a senior in high school, uh, I started training up until my Junior year of college, um, the spring semester when I finally got the chance to walk on. Uh, So, you know, it took me two to three years to do that. But eventually, you know, I made it.
0: And what kind of tough conversations happened in your household as a kid for you trying to advocate for yourself playing football, but then your parents uh, um, being opposed to you playing football?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, there actually wasn't a lot of tough conversations. Um, It was more of a mental thing. Um, It was kind of expectations that were in our household, uh, expectations that are in our community. And, you know, just a feeling inside that, you know, you don't know if you're doing the right thing because you're not following what everyone else is following. So that was like the toughest thing I had to deal with. And when I finally decided to do what I love to do, you know, that's when I was really happy with my decision. Um, You know, I never looked back on it.
0: And then, how that year when you said you had to stop football because of academics, how were you able to, before that, what was the difference between you balancing academics and athletics? And then, what kind of changes did you make, um, perhaps in your mindset, to after that being able to manage football and academics better?
1: Well, it was definitely tough. Um, you know, after quitting football, it almost felt like there was no purpose for me. Um, because that was what I loved to do. And it was just, you know, it was school. School was great um so I started doing a lot of extracurriculars in school you know trying to uh to make up for football and trying to spend my time somewhere you know doing like academics uh, a lot of clubs that I joined uh you know it, it was great um I got a lot of stuff my resume everything was good but at the same time I just kind of missed the football aspect and I couldn't couldn't get away from that it was just kind of you know bugging me all the time that I couldn't play the sport that I loved and you know you can only play it for so long uh you're only young for you know however many years, so if you don't keep playing, you know, that's your last opportunity to do it. So I had to kind of pick a route, but, you know, now it's definitely easier in college. Um, You know, football is a motivation, you know, to do well in school uh, just because they correlate both on and off the field.
0: And what is your opinion on focusing on one sport versus diversifying your, like the sports that you play at an early age?
1: I definitely think um, if you, if you play a lot of sports at an early age, it can give you, a lot of ability to do things uh, with one sport when you get a little bit older. I think a lot of skills that you learn, you know, basketball is a lot of coordination. Uh, You know, in every sport, soccer, whatever it is, you know, the endurance, there's everything, um, there's something that you can use towards the sport that you really love to do. Um, You know, being a multi-sport athlete, there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, you know, I'd probably encourage it uh, just because you get more experience um, and you just understand games better and you understand how things work.
0: And then you grew up in Columbus, Georgia, as we mentioned in the bio. So were you the first South Asian to play football in your high school or your hometown?
1: Um, you know, I'm not really actually too sure. Uh, you know, there was no way for me to check that. I'm sure I probably was, um, or if not the first, or one of the first. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, so I don't want to say that yet, but um, I definitely was uh, one of Very few. I know there was no one on my team that was South Asian and uh, currently there's no one on my team that's South Asian or anyone that I know of.
0: And as an Indian, did you ever feel any sentiment that you didn't belong in football or that you shouldn't be playing?
1: Oh yeah, all the time. Um, You know, I can just think back to middle school when I was in eighth grade and I was about to get cut from the team. You know, it took me to they had a rounds, you know, in tryouts. So it was about, I think the first round, I made it past that second round, uh, made it past that, but, um, you know, I could tell they were kind of unsure of me actually being on the team. Um, but once they actually kind of saw me, you know, in tryouts and I had some, some talent, uh, then they finally let me on. This was just middle school too. Uh, they finally let me play. And then, you know, that year I ended up getting, you know, the defensive back MVP award. So it was just kind of, me getting in the door was a lot harder. I've noticed, you know, every single time getting in the door is the hardest part, but once you're there, uh, you know, you can show your talents and football doesn't discriminate. So once you're there, you can do what you got to do.
0: Yeah. um, Our dad also played football in high school. So we sort of, he's told us these stories and we sort of, we sort of know what you're talking about. Um, You mentioned that you were the defensive back of the year. Talk to us a little bit more about the preparation that led up to that. And then what it felt like finally winning that award.
1: You know, even though I was just in middle school, um, that was a confidence builder for me because, you know, preparing all my life to play football and to, to you know, be great at it, uh, it was kind of hard to to see results. But when I saw it um, as I was growing up, you know, awards here and there, you know, they don't make – they're not that big of a deal um, when you think about it, you know, in perspective when you're a little bit older. But in the moment, that builds your confidence. And that was also something that really just made me think, you know, I can go somewhere with this um, you know, being in eighth grade, you know, having, you know, being only like, you know, 13, 14 years old, that's huge. Um, because it can lead to doing well in high school football. And then also, you know, maybe making to college or the pros.
0: So how did you end up deciding on Wake Forest as a college?
1: So actually Wake Forest is purely because of academics. Um, but at the same time, I knew I wanted to play football no matter what college I went to. I don't care where it was at, um, but whatever school was at, I wanted to play football. So Wake Forest is just a great school, great academics, uh, small classes, it's a very small school, uh, so you get a lot of attention in your classes. And it was just a, it was a great school to be at. Um, I visited it once, and uh, I love the atmosphere, and I, uh, I love the energy on campus.
0: What was that recruiting process like for you, if at all, for coming out of high school? And then you talked about the culture a little bit at Wake Forest. What is it like there? And also, what is the football community like there specifically?
1: So coming out of high school, I had zero offers, uh, zero stars. I went to zero camps. Um, Basically nothing. because I didn't play my sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school. So Mm -hmm. I was just a regular student. Um, And for the first two years... Here at school, um, you know, I have a lot of communication back and forth with the recruiting office and uh, a lot of the coaches up there, and you know, nothing was really happening. Uh, so I got a job as a ball boy uh, for the team. So you know, I do I do laundry. Um, you know, I'd be the ball boy for the quarterbacks, receivers. Uh, try to learn the practices. Try to learn my position group that I wanted to play. Uh, just try to be around the team as much as possible, and you know, make sure the coaches saw my face every single day. I thought that was the most important thing, you know, uh, just to hopefully get an opportunity one day.
0: And do you think that ball boy experience helped you when you got to walk on as a junior this year?
1: Yeah, I think that definitely helped me. And, uh, you know, it was very humbling. Uh, and not being able to actually put some pads on and, you know, be in the game or, you know, be in practice or be on the field. Uh, that humbled me a lot. But it made me also work harder. So when I did get the opportunity, to actually play uh, every single rep, every single practice, um, every single day, I took it very seriously. You know, I went, uh, I went all in.
0: Yeah. And then the ACC is considered by many people to be one of the toughest divisions in the NCAA in any sport, regardless basketball, football, obviously all those types of sports. So what is the competition like between Wake Forest and schools like Duke, UNC and Clemson?
1: Well, those are definitely some good schools. Uh, we have some tough competition. You know, like you just said, Clemson, um, Clemson, Duke, UNC, Florida State, all the schools are tough, uh, you know, but I think our team prepares very well. Um, you know, I haven't actually played in fall yet, but from what I've seen, uh, you know, we have film on all the schools. We watch them over and over again. Um, you know, we learn our playbook inside and out. And uh, our preparation is, you know, on game weeks uh, is, is a lot. I think, you know, it really prepares us to actually play that team and, you know, do our best.
0: And is your preparation different when you're facing a school like that? And if so, how?
1: Yeah, our preparation is definitely different, uh, you know, between all schools that we play. Each school, you know, depending on their offense or defense, they do something a little bit differently. So, you know, going to that, you have to kind of understand, you know, who's at what position, um, what are their concepts that you run, uh, what kind of offense do they have, there's a lot of things that go into it, you know, depending on what, what calls will play and uh, stuff like that. So, you know, preparation's big. And for each school, there's a different game plan.
0: And what are some of your hopes and dreams as a current
1: junior? So currently, you know, obviously um, your dream is always, always to go to the pros. But as of now, you know, I'm just taking everything as a blessing. Um, just me being here and being able to put my cleats on and walk on the field and play every single day with, uh, with my teammates. And, uh, you know, being with these guys, you know, they always support me. Um, You know, they're always there for me on or off the field. I'm just enjoying that moment right now. and trying to do my best. I think you you have your goals, but at the same time, you just work hard and, um, you know, see what you're blessed with.
0: What advice do you have for kids on the smaller side or kids who have dreams and aspirations to play football?
1: Uh, Definitely, you know, don't give up and work hard every single day. It doesn't matter if you're undersized. It doesn't matter if you're Indian. It doesn't matter what color you are, where you come from, or you know anything. Uh, just keep working hard, um, and one day you can get there.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. That piece of advice at the end was really nice to hear, and I think it'll inspire our listeners, and have a great day.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a like or review, and following us on social media at two underscore bros and sports for daily sports updates. Enjoy the rest of your guys' day, and we'll catch you guys next week on the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast.